message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Um, and so today we're, we're going to be talking about, if you have your Bible, you can open up to Joshua. Uh, we're looking at chapter 1 and chapter 3, uh, some sections I want to share about. And it has to do with new beginnings that God had for Israel and how it applies to us as well. There's some really common things about what God did with Israel as they went into their land of promise. And I believe God has promise for us as well. God has lands of promise for you, some blessings for you. He says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're not to harm you, they're to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. And so, God, what are these hopes and futures? What are these blessings? How do I enter into them? And this is important because Israel had a promised land. Some people got in and some people did not. We want to recognize what God is doing and get in. And while you're turning there, I just want to uh, share this brief story um, so there's this atheist, right? And he's, he's walking through the woods. And as he's walking through the woods, he goes, wow, look at these majestic trees. And, and then he says, wow, look at these amazing rivers. And, and he says, wow, look at all these amazing birds. This is phenomenal. And the mountainside, this is absolutely amazing. And all of a sudden, as he's looking around, seeing how beautiful and amazing everything is out there in, in nature, he hears a noise. And as he turns to look, he sees a grizzly bear starting to run at him. So he starts running as fast as he can, and as he looks back, the grizzly bear is gaining on him. So he's going even faster, and he looks back, and the the grizzly bear is almost there. So he's running as fast as he can, and as he looks back, he trips on a branch, and he flips, and he falls down. And as soon as he turns around, he sees the grizzly bear ready to take a big swipe. Suddenly, time stood still. The bear stopped. The forest went silent. He looked up and saw a big, bright light coming from heaven. And a voice coming down. The last thing he said when he fell and looked at the grizzly bears, oh my God. And God speaks down to him and says, so you're calling on me now, are you? Should I consider you a Christian after all these years that you've denied me and you've denied my creation and you've denied everything I did? Should I turn around and consider you to be one of mine at this very critical point in your life? And the man says, no, God, you're right. That would be very hypocritical of me to become a Christian at this very critical point in time. You're right. But can you do me a favor, God? Can you at least let the bear become a Christian? (laughs) So suddenly, the man looks up, and the bright light goes away, and the bear that's ready to swipe puts his hands together and bows his head. Lord, thank you for this meal. Amen. (laughs) I love it. Um, Yeah. Atheists. Atheists have a day. You know, we have Resurrection Sunday and we have Good Friday. We've got all kinds of great days, Christmas Day. Atheists have a day and it's April Fool's Day. The Bible says only a fool, only a fool says in their heart that there is no God. So uh, that's interesting. But all I have to say, guys, is uh, God has great things for his children and he has things for us as well. And the Bible is full of things saying that God had things for us to do from the foundations of the world, that he has plans for us from the beginning. And our job is to live for God's glory, honor him, and as we grow, God, what do you have for me? Like, what blessings should I walk in? What's, what's available for me? Because we serve a good God. And uh, in Israel's history, we see the same thing. We see that Israel comes out of Egypt, and they go through the desert, and they're going to go into a promised land. And God's been telling them about this promised land for a long time. God is saying, I have something better for you. 
And so they're making this journey, this quest, this, uh, this voyage into the promised land. And I believe their story is similar to ours, although it's historically true for them what happened. God has promises for us. And I think we want to discover and figure out what those are so we can enter into uh, the promises of God. I, I do have to say, though, it took, um, it should have taken them four months, but it took them 40 years. It should have taken them four months to get into the land of promise, but it took 40 years. And to be honest, there was many people that were supposed to get into the promised land that never did. God loved them. He called them by name, and they saw God move, and they respected God. And over time, they started to groan and complain and, and, and start to not believe anymore. And their faith started to, something happened. In the, in the desert, some people started to lose faith. And some of these people that were made for the promised land never got into the promised land. And I think the same thing is true with the promises of God for our lives. I really believe God has good things for his children. But I believe a lot of us don't always recognize what they are, and we kind of prolong what God wants to do. We delay what God wants to do like Israel does, and we miss out on, on some of the, the blessings that he has for us. So uh, Joshua chapter 1, we're going to jump in there. And the setup is this, the promised land. The promised land is the land of Canaan, and they were coming out of Egypt. And the, the setup is that Egypt represents a place of bondage. Egypt is a place of bondage. And in our lives, we were in places of bondage too. Outside of Christ, we're in places of bondage. We're still in our sin. We're still, you know, the way we think, the way we act, what we believe. You know, we're, we're out there. The enemy has a place in our life because we are so removed outside of Christ. And that represents the Egypt for us. And then the desert is a place where we're not in Egypt anymore. We're not in bondage anymore. But we're in this process where God is working out some things in our life. God did a lot of shaping in Israel's life in the time of the desert. And for you and I, it's a time of testing, a time of trial. It's where God's showing us things, and we're learning things, and we're, we're trying to understand his nature better. We're trying to trust him more. We, we discover things more. And then finally, Canaan is this place of inheritance where God's like, I got some good stuff for you. Now, Canaan, the land of promise, is not necessarily just heaven. Um, how many of you guys know we're, we're not going to actually have heaven on earth? Uh, there's a lot of people that would love to have heaven on earth, but this is not heaven. This isn't the place where he wipes away every tear from your eye. That, that is yet to come, and that is true of believers in Christ. But yet here on earth, um, God has blessings and promises, and, and there's so many in Scripture that I can't cover them all, but he has them for you and I. But we need to go through this process in faith to enter in, to recognize uh, what God has for us. And, and one thing is, is true, and you probably know some friends, family, and people that you love that this applies to, that spiritually speaking, there are many Christians who have spiritually left Egypt. They've left bondage, but they've never entered into a really good place with God, and they're still like in this desert time, and there's, they're, they're, they're spiritually stuck in between Egypt and Canaan. And, and I think that's what God would have for us, is to understand Canaan is this process, and he's always tuning us up and working things out, but he does have good things for us, and to recognize what they are, and to take them, whether they're job opportunities that God is saying, look what I put in front of you, don't you recognize it? Uh, whether it's uh, marriage. I know when I got married, Christy and I got marriage, marriage is one of these things where God says it's not good for man to be alone, so I make a helpmate suitable. And so God designed marriage, and yet some people don't know what to do with it. They don't recognize God's hand. They don't take steps of faith towards it. And that's a perfect way where people can miss out on the promises of God because they don't recognize uh, what God is doing. When we planted this church, it took a lot of faith 
to step out into what God was calling us to do. And yet, as a result of it, I've seen many lives change as a result of it. So these are areas where we have to step into God is offering something, and it's a, it's a promise, it's a future, it's a, and will we step into it, will we recognize it or not? And that's the tension in Israel's life, and it's kind of the tension in ours as well. So Joshua chapter 1, I, I want to look at a section here, and I want to look at a section in Joshua 3, and we're going to move through pretty quickly, uh, but what you're going to see here is that the same things that applied to Israel to prepare themselves for the promises God had, the same thing that applied to them applies to us as well. And so let's jump in here, Joshua 1, we're going to read 1 through 9, and if you have it on your device or your Bible or the screen up here, it goes like this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead, now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses, Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea to the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Be strong and very courageous Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you will be successful wherever you go. You might want to underline that in your Bible, so that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Um, To understand the context of this um, a a little bit more clearly, God has been saying to Israel all along, and uh, how many of you guys are reading along with us in the Bible app or anybody else? Awesome. I just want to salute you for that because that's really cool. We're on this journey together, and uh, some of it is a little hard to understand. You're reading some Old Testament law, some Leviticus, and you're like, what is that all about? You're not under that law, you're under the New Testament covenant of grace, but it gives you a great appreciation for what Israel went through. Uh, Part of what we are seeing as they're going into the land of promise is God saying, I'm going to give you this land, but you must possess it. I'm giving it to you, but you must possess it. In other words, God said, I'm making an open door available, but it's not just going to fall on your lap. God is saying, I'm going to do my part, but I need you to do your part. Uh, I'm going to make a provision for you guys to get into this place, but you're going to have to walk in faith and follow through if you're going to possess the land. And I believe that is true in your life and in mine for the things that God has for us, for the blessings he wants us to walk in, for the provision, for the opportunities, for the lands of promise in our own lives. And that could be, again, it could be a, um, it could be a job opportunity. Is this on? It could be a job opportunity. It could be uh, relationally getting married and God saying, yes, that's me, walk in it. It could be a, a, an idea, something creative, something that God is doing that, that he's like, this is part of your inheritance. If you just walk in it, God is saying, I'm going to do this, but you have to do your part. And so this is what we're looking at here. So if you're a note taker, I want to encourage you to write a few of these things down or put them in your phone. Um, this is what Israel did to be prepared for the promised land. And this is what you and I need to do if we're going to be prepared for the promises of God, the blessings of God. And the first one is this, God has a promised land for me, but I must be willing to possess it. 
God has a promised land for me, and I must be willing to possess it. And again, I'm not talking about heaven. I'm talking about blessings on earth. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're not to harm you. They are to prosper you, God says, to give you a hope and a future. God, what is that prosperity? What is that hope and a future? I'm not talking about name it and claim it crazy stuff. I'm talking about God's design and his sovereignty for you to walk in that he has for you. What are those things? What are those things? What, what are those callings? What are those anointings? What are those ministries? What are those open doors? What are those creative ideas? God, you know, I don't know. God, what are they? I have one for you, but you're going to have to possess it. You're going to have to actually walk it out. I'm going to do something, but it's going to take your action as well. And that's the first one. And in verse 7 and 8, he says right here, it's so clear, and this is the context of you receiving the inheritance, you receiving the blessings God has for you. He says, you got to obey my word. Now, he puts this front and center, front and center, because some people, I don't know why, but they'll put the word of God aside somewhere. They'll just put it aside. And they'll have all kinds of ideas on hope and future and all the blessings that God has for me. And they're doing it completely removed from God's word. And God's got so many blessings in his word, but we want to understand context of scripture. What, what does God have for his people? What's his ways? What's his nature? Uh, and so his word is central to what he has for your future. And you will never know your future. In fact, you won't even know yourself until you read this book. You won't know God and his nature until you read this book, and you won't even know yourself. You want to go on a journey of self-discovery? Right here. You don't have to leave your living room. Some people travel around the whole world, self-discovery. You don't have to leave your living room. You can sit down with a cup of coffee, and this book right here, the Spirit will start to bring clarity and guidance. You will know yourself better than you've ever known yourself because Scripture reveals our heart, our mind, our soul, our attitudes, our motives. It just starts separating all this stuff. And so the next part of this passage is saying, you want to know about your future? Obey the word. It's, you can't exempt the word of God from your future if you want these blessings of God. It says, don't turn from it. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Meditate on day and night so that, listen, so that you may be prosperous and successful wherever you go. I am not up here preaching a prosperity doctrine. Prosperity doctrine, quote unquote, is you just name and claim whatever you think. God's given me a Cadillac, a Rolls Royce, a house on a hill. Name it and claim it. And you're going to get it. That's, not, that's, that's kind of wacky doctrine. I'm not saying that. But I am saying, if you live a life committed to God's word, God is saying, not Pastor B, God is saying, so that you may be prosperous and successful where you go, because God is saying, I want you to be successful and prosperous where you go. Do you guys know that? Do you know God? You need to know that. Do you know God wants you to be successful and prosperous where you go? Now, be careful how you, that doesn't necessarily mean multi-millionaire house on a hill. He may give you millions. God's not opposed. God is not about wealth and, you know, pro or con. It's not what you have. It's where it's at that matters. It's where it's at that matters. If God dropped a million on you, were you faithful already with the 10,000 he put on you? If you were, Maybe he's going to give you a million too. And then if you're faithful with that, maybe he's going to, I, I don't know what he's going to do. I have no idea. And I'm not, I'm not talking about this in a financial realm. I'm just saying every realm of your life, if you put him first, he gives you the desires of your heart. If you put his word central to your life, as this is saying, you will be prosperous and successful wherever you go. And God's saying, I want you to be prosperous and successful. So that's important to know. So your second point this morning, if you want to write that down, is... Uh, we can't separate the promises of God from the word of God. 
We can't separate the promises of God from the word of God. Again, you put the book aside and you start dreaming up anything that you want and who knows where that's gonna end up. I mean, we can make up anything we want and anything we feel or anything somebody said, but if we're rooted in the word, we're testing stuff, we know, yes, that's God. And this says God wants me to be successful and prosperous wherever I go. That's what God says, so you can stand on that one. Um, You know, even even Joseph, uh, Joseph, uh, you know, when he was put in prison, Uh, down in Egypt, um, you know, he gets put in prison and you're thinking, wait, I'm a believer. What am I doing in prison? Even in prison, God made him prosperous. You realize that? Uh, Even when Paul was in prison, God made him prosperous in prison to where he's like reaching the whole, the whole kingdom's getting known, all the guards and everybody in their families coming to faith. So wherever you are, God, you know, has an avenue of success and prosperity, uh, not to be construed with, uh, confused with the prosperity doctrine, okay? Um, The third one is this, and we're going to look at this next passage. The third one is this, um, I must be strong and courageous uh, to receive uh, to receive what God has promised. I have to be strong and courageous. God in scripture, we don't see him just dropping things on people's lap just out of the blue. People just sitting on the couch watching TV, totally passive, checked out of faith, and all of a sudden, blessings just dropping. When we look at the book of Hebrews, we see a whole list of people who God did great things, and it says, by faith, God did this in their life. By faith, God did this in their life. By faith, God did this in their life. And so, uh, God is reminding them as they're going to go into this land of promise, if you want to have this land I'm giving you, I'm going to open the door for you, but you've got to take the land. You have to be strong and courageous because if you're, if you're, if you're not strong and courageous, um, we'll do what most people do. We'll look at something, we'll, maybe fear will rise up in our life and we'll get discouraged. And when, when you get discouraged, you stop walking. Do you notice that? I don't care if you're walking through the woods, whatever. if you, get, you, you stop and you start to pause. And our walk with Christ and what he has for us, we're not supposed to just stop and pause and not move forward. And, and in, in this passage, he's saying, look, I, I got a promise, land for you, believe it, and walk it out. You're gonna see some things. You're not gonna be sure of some things, but walk it out. Be strong and courageous um, because that's what it takes. How many of you guys know that fear, fear paralyzes? Fear does cause a paralysis, Fear, we've said last week, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. Fear is not from God. That kind of fear is not from God. God says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear and timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. So when fear comes up, we just have to check the source. If fear is stopping us from walking forward in faith, that is not God putting that fear in us. God's not instilling that kind of a fear into our lives. So we have to identify that fear. That fear will block us from what we're supposed to walk in. There are many people who I believe have not gotten into the promises God has for their, their, their calling on their life, even marriages and just all kinds of things that God has because of fear. They like the idea of what God says. They believe in general in the promise and the principle, but because of fears, they've stopped and moved no further. And, and, and this is an important one because being bold and courageous is a key part of conquest. It's a, p- a key part of possessing the land and it's gonna be a key part of you walking in, into your promised land, so to speak, that God has for you. So um, uh, as we move forward here, Joshua chapter two is simply um, a, a summary uh, of those who, um, it's, a, it, it's a summary of a generation that finally believes in God's promises, in the entire 
passages leading up to this. Israel is doubting and I don't think God is and he's not showing up and where has he been? And we realize that generation didn't make it into the land of promise. This generation, however, is a generation who believes God. And it's amazing what God will do with a generation that believes him. He does great things with a generation that believes. Um, and so that's generation two and, gen- and jo- Joshua two. And now Joshua three, we actually see them ready to enter in and they've got one major obstacle. Sometimes in your life, God has something for you, but there's an obstacle in the way, and you're like, what do I do with that? How do I get through that obstacle? Uh, There are obstacles that come up in our life, even for God's people, and so we're seeing in this here, there's a major monumental obstacle that is blocking them from their land of promise, and this may be a parallel in our lives, but let's see how this uh, looks. In Joshua chapter three, beginning in verse one, it says this, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out for Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. Uh, But keep a distance... Uh, of about a thousand yards between you and the ark and do not go near it, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Let's start with that one right there, consecrate. We don't use that word a lot in our language. You don't go to work and, you know, hey, buddy, how was your weekend? Yeah, you have a good consecrated weekend? Awesome, you know. Uh, you know, <laughs> we don't usually talk about there's a consecrate. What is consecrate? You know, it's a biblical term. It simply means set apart. How many of you guys know that the church, the church, the ecclesia, the, the name is close in Spanish, iglesia, okay? In, in, in the Greek, it's ecclesia, and the church is the ecclesia. That's the Greek name, and it simply means the called out ones. How many of you guys know you're called out? You can't follow Jesus without being called out. You, you just can't. It just doesn't work. You can't, be, you can't be a Christ follower and not be called out. You are called out to follow Christ, and that's what this means. But sometimes our nature is to drift back into the very things we were called out. You guys getting this, right? You can drift back into the very things you were called out of. And that's where this word sanctify comes. It's like, no, just, just remember you're, you're, you're called out. That's the way you were, but it's not the way you are. You're called out from that. So sanctify means to set apart, set apart, set yourselves apart, sanctify, uh, purify, um, you, know, you know, be distinct, um, cleanse, prepare. Really, it means distinguish yourself. Think of, you know, however you used to live, if you, if you lived in any kind of way that you're not proud of now or wasn't God-honoring back in the day, God is saying, I get it, I'm all about new beginnings, but distinguish yourself from that. Distinguish yourself from that. That's what sanctify is. It means, you know, get ready, prepare yourself. And so what's amazing, uh, God is saying in this passage right here, I am about to bust things wide open and there's gonna be a land of promise. I'm gonna do my part. You got to do your part. And your part, God's saying, sanctify yourself. God's not saying, I'm going to sanctify you. God's God's saying, you sanctify you. See, God doesn't set us apart. He calls us to be set apart, but we got to turn. When Jesus says, repent and follow me, he doesn't make people turn them around and push them down the road. Does he do that? No. He's like, would you turn and follow me? Some are like, no, I don't feel like it. Okay. 
I love you. Think about that. Turn and follow me. The offer's still available. And others like, yeah, I hear you loud and clear. And we turn and follow. And that's sanctified the same way. It's like you are the called out ones. Be the called out ones. Sanctify yourself because, listen to this, because tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm going to do amazing things. And if you want God to do amazing things in your life, sanctification is right in the middle of it. How we, we talked about it's going to take not letting this depart from us, but it's also our personal lifestyle, our personal choices of sanctification, as Scripture says, is central to the blessings of God. If people are living a sloppy life, if people are abusing their grace, I mean, we have grace in the faith, and that's wonderful, but if we're like wrecking things and we're kind of a train wreck when it comes to our lifestyle, God's like, don't expect these promises and these doors to go bust and open for you. But if you don't let my word depart from you, and if you live sanctified, watch what I'll do tomorrow. He's telling Israel, I'm going to blow it up tomorrow. I'm going to do something so cool. You don't even imagine what I'm going to do tomorrow. But your job today for what I'm going to do tomorrow is you sanctify yourselves today, and I will do the amazing tomorrow. Does that make sense? That, that's a really important one. That's, a, that's an important one. So uh, thir- uh, that point, fourth point this morning is that uh, my preparation is my consecration. My pre- preparation for my promised lands that God has for me or for my family or for this church and everything, my, my, I, I can't let this word depart from me and, and I have to consecrate myself. And you gotta do a little self-check all the time. Like, God, where am I at? Holy Spirit, like David said in the Psalm, search me, Lord, know what's going on in this heart of mine. You know, tune me up, show me what I need to get right with you, God, because we get off all the time and say, show me what I need because I wanna be consecrated. So the word is part of our life, the consecration is part of our life, and these things precede open doors. They precede the blessings of God. They precede the promises to be fulfilled in your life. And again, and I can't tell you what all those promises are. I'm not saying if you do this, you're going to get a house on a hill and you're going to get a Bentley. No, I'm not saying any of that nonsense. What I am saying is you will walk in the promises God has for you if we walk this way, because this is the way God's calling us to walk. Um, and, And I would say this too, never get so casual with your relationship with God that you start to lapse in this area of holiness. Never get so, and believe me, we got a friend in Jesus, we could be driving to work with Jesus, you know, we could be led by, you know, don't get me, you know, God is, we got a, you know, uh, we are a friend of God is the song, and that's great, and we have this intimacy with God, and, and that's great, you know, uh, the veil's been torn, and we have, that's, yes, but never get so casual, remember, he's always God Almighty, isn't he? So we have a friend in Jesus, but he's God Almighty at the same time, so when we remember that, we, 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 we kind of tend to not get you know, way off in this area of, of holiness in our life. If we get, but if we get too casual in our relationship with God, like God's cool, he's chilling on the couch with me watching this whacked out rated R movie that I shouldn't be watching. You know, I'm just chilling with Jesus here. No, you're not chilling with Jesus. Jesus isn't sitting watching that movie with you. So this is what I'm talking about. It's like we can get off and we get so casual um, about that. So he says, purify yourselves, purify yourselves. Tomorrow I'm gonna do great things, great things. And then he says this in verse two, and I love this. He says, when you see the ark, you are to move out of your positions and follow. When you see the ark, you move out of your positions. The ark, the ark represents the presence of God. The ark is the presence of God. When Israel was in the desert, God says, I will be your God, you will be my people, I'm gonna make my dwelling among you, I'm gonna live with you, I'm gonna camp out with you, Uh, but when I say it's time to move, I'm gonna lead you by a cloud by day and by fire by night, and you're gonna know by my presence, my presence is gonna lift, 
and it's time to pack up that ark and it's time to move with me. God is saying, when I move, you move. And sometimes we say, no, God, when I move, you move. And God's like, no, no. God is saying, when I move, you move. And that's, that's what he's doing right here. The ark represents the presence of God. And the presence of God is the spirit of God, the spirit of God. So this is often viewed as the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Does it say the Holy Spirit? Well, it says the presence of God. The presence is the spirit, the spirit of God, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. So essentially, uh, the Holy Spirit, this is leading the entire camp. This cloud is lifting, and they're like, God says it's time to move. The Holy Spirit says we're moving. And all of a sudden, they start packing up everything, and they start to move. And that's what they're doing right here with the, with the ark. Um, and all of a sudden, it, uh, they get to this point where they're about to go into the presence, I mean, excuse me, go into this promised land, but they can't go into the promised land without the presence of God. So they wait for God and his presence to lead them. Uh, there's many people in life that they get ahead of God and they don't wait for God's presence and they just try to make things happen on their own. Um, and in scripture, we see Abraham did that. You end up with an Ishmael instead of an Isaac when you do that. You realize that? You end up with an Ishmael instead of an Isaac. God said, I, I got something for you. Wait and watch what I do and believe. And he's like, yeah, I gotta make this happen. I just gotta make it happen. The clock is ticking. I'm running out of time. I gotta make this happen. So here goes, I got a plan. And he comes up with this child through his wife's maidservant. His wife said, yeah, just be with her because we need a child. And they take this into their own hands. God's like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? You ended up with an Ishmael. You were supposed to have an Isaac, but you took it in your own hands. And sometimes the promises in our life, we don't, we don't wait on God and we don't let his spirit go before us. And as a result, we just start stampeding on our own. And that's what's happening, you know, uh, what happened in Abraham's life. And God's saying in this passage, you want to enter the land of promise? Let my presence go first. Let my presence lead you. And then you're going to know the way. And this is going to be promised. Don't just leave me behind and stampede ahead. And so um, that's our fifth point this morning is we enter into God's promises by following God's presence. We enter into God's promises by following God's presence. His spirit will lead you. The Bible says that, Jesus says that over and over again. The spirit will lead you, comfort you, guide you, counsel you. The Holy Spirit will nudge you. There will be a voice behind you saying, this is the way to go, walk in it. This is a, a promise throughout scripture for God's people and the spirit will lead us into what God is calling us into and, and we wanna be in that place. We wanna be led where God is calling us. That's the presence of God, the spirit of God. So let the Holy Spirit lead you into God's promises because I can assure you one thing, the flesh will not. The flesh will not lead us into God's promises. The flesh can't lead us into God's promises. Oh, the flesh is very strong, the flesh is very impulsive, and the flesh is pulling all the time, but the flesh is not gonna lead us into God's promises. Does that make sense? The Holy Spirit will lead us into God's promises. And that's something we gotta come to terms with because the flesh cries out all the time. Uh, It moves on in verse six and says, uh, Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that you may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you. The living God is among you. 
and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girishites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, and the Termites. Um, see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord uh, and on early, all the earth, uh, and you will go, will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, and as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, uh, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a big heap. So God finally finds a generation willing to believe. The desert generation did not believe, but the children of that generation did believe. And God is always about to do a new thing when he finds a believing generation. The Bible says when the Son of Man comes back, what kind of generation will he find? You guys familiar with that? What kind of generation? Will the Son of Man, his eyes go to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for hearts that are completely his? Is he gonna find a generation of faith or is he not going to find a generation of faith? Because the last generation did not have faith, but this generation does have faith, and that's why they're about to embark on something amazing. And you cannot leave faith out of the equation. Of the promises of God, you cannot leave faith out of the equation. And so this thing is saying right here, um, tell the priests to carry the ark and put their feet in the water. Now listen, this, this river, the Jordan River, is at flood stage. The, the river is moving. It's swelling the banks. It goes, uh, if you step foot into this water, as he's saying to do, step foot into the water with the ark, which is really heavy, um, you're going to get next to the bank. It's going to be a little muddy. If you slip and fall, not only is it going to fall on you, but you go all the way downstream to the Dead Sea. That's what's downstream. And God's saying, I told you to do it. Will you do it? Will you go by what you see or will you go by what I say? You might want to write that down because God's telling some of you that this morning. Will you, go by what I, will you go by what you see or will you go by what I say? And Israel's like, I know what I see and I don't like it, but I'm going to go by what you say. And that's what faith is by, by definition. And, and so, and how many of you guys know so many people and you have friends and family and neighbors that would say this, this is the way they think. When it comes to God and it comes to believing, they're saying Prove it, and then I'll believe, right? Prove it, and then I'll believe. And how many of you experience God says, believe, and then I'll prove it? Haven't you noticed that? That's what he's done in my life. Believe, and then I'll prove it. And I believe, and then he proves it. But it's not prove it, and then I'll believe. Because if God proves it, you don't need faith. You don't need any faith. You just get to walk by sight through your whole life. If God just proves everything, you don't need any faith in your life. And faith is part of our life. Uh, It's key to our life. Faith is being willing, in this passage, it's being willing to listen to put feet to your faith. Put feet to your faith. I I know in theory, God, I believe, yes, you could part the river. I know you could. You can do anything. I believe you can move mountains, God. I believe you can raise the dead. I believe you can. And God's saying, okay, walk it out. Oh, walk it out? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm not really feeling that right now, God. It's like, no, do you believe I can move a mountain? You believe, will you walk it out? And faith by definition is faith when you start stepping. When you start stepping. And when you're not stepping, it's an idea of faith. It's a concept of faith. It's a good concept. It's a good concept. But it's not faith because faith acts by definition. Faith acts. It doesn't just believe. It, it steps. It moves. Remember Jesus said to Peter, you, you know, Peter, it's me, Jesus. I think it's Jesus. Yep, it is Jesus. All right, you know it's me, Peter? Yeah, I know it's you, Jesus. I see you. I hear your voice. I know that voice. Okay, 
come out and get out of the boat and walk on water. Mm. Walk on, like literally? Do you believe or not believe? I mean, do you believe in principle that it's me, Peter? Do you believe in principle, the idea that it's my voice? Or do you believe it's me? Because if you believe it's me, don't go by what you see, go by what I say. Come to me, Peter, right? It's the same thing. And the same thing's going on with this ark right here. If you believe, don't go by what you see, believe what I say. And if I'm saying put your feet in the water, and that's where the miracle's gonna begin. It sounds crazy, but you, you gotta start taking a step. Then that's what you, you do. Our, our last point this morning, you might wanna write down, um, and I believe God is saying us to do this individually and collectively as a church. It's time to put my feet where my faith is. It's time to put my feet where my faith is. You've heard the expression, put your money where your mouth is, right? You've heard this expression. God is saying, put your feet where your faith is. If you got faith, then you put your feet to your faith. You walk it out. Um, God rewards faith. How many of you know without faith, it's impossible to please God? Let me say that again. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We please God. We make God smile. Think about this. Get the visual. God's smiling on you when you have faith. And when we're in paralysis with no courage and not moving forward and we're stuck in fear, God's like, really? Come on. He's like, be strong and courageous. Don't be discouraged. You stop walking. You, you, you're, you're, you're paralyzed by what you see instead of what I say. You know, blessed are those who believe and don't see. That's what faith does. It, it, you don't have to see it. You believe it because God said it. And it's in his word and his spirit is leading you and you, you take these steps. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. And the rest of this story, in fact, this would be great if the worship team comes up now. The rest of this story is history. The rest of this story is epic. You can go on and read it, but what you find out is when they do what God says, when they do what God says, God says, I got a promised land. Don't let my word depart. You're gonna have to walk in faith. Go by what I say, not by what you see. They put their feet in the water, and as soon as they touch the water with the presence of God, because God does these things, we don't do them, God does these things, all of a sudden the water stops way upstream, and Israel's like, this is epic. This was our biggest barrier in our life. I know a promised land's over there. I can see it from a distance, but we got a major barrier, this Jordan River, and it's impassable. It's unpassable. God's like, take my presence with you. Put your foot in. Everything will stop. Israel crosses, and then when the last person crosses, then they take the presence of God out out across the other side, and it all comes caving in. And the rest of the story is history. The promised land didn't just fall on their lap. They didn't set up their hammocks, you know those fancy drinks with the umbrella? You know, you know. No, they didn't just set up their hammocks on the other side. Yep, we got the promised land and all, all the, the, the milk and honey started flowing all over them and all the fruit and vegetables started coming in. Baskets were delivered to them. No, that's not what happened. God said, I'm giving it to you, but you have to possess it. And they started to go through mile by mile possessing the land that God had gave them. And it was an amazing land and it was far better than Egypt. You weren't made for Egypt. You were made for Canaan. God has promises in your life. It starts with coming to Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He takes away the sins of the world. It starts with Jesus. Now, when you're in Christ, now what? Do you just wait and hold on till Jesus comes back? Some people do. Just wait and, or what do you have, God? What do you have for us? What, what, what's the next step? What is... What am I supposed to step into? Calling, opportunity, whether it's ministry for, for, for my life, for my family. What do you have for our church, God? What do you have for us collectively? What do we need to walk in? What is the next step of this promises that you have for your people? 
How about that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few? That's a problem. You say that, God. Can we walk in that? Yes, you can. God says, do it this way. Do it this way. And there's so many things in your life that way. I just want to close in a prayer this morning. But I do trust there are some in this room that you found yourself in the desert longer than you need to be. You love God and God loves you. But you've been in the desert longer because maybe some of these things have been missing. Maybe, maybe we let the word depart from us in some time or season of our life. Or maybe we stopped walking in faith. Maybe we were being fearful instead of faithful. Um, there's a lot of different, maybe we weren't following the presence of God. We were following our flesh and that's why we were not entering in. But I just want to ask if anybody wants to pray with me on this note this morning, I want to ask you to stand. Nobody else is looking at you. Um, but I want to ask you to stand if this is you. If you're saying, God, I believe you have greater promises for me. I don't think I've been walking this way, but I do want to walk this way according to your word because I don't want to miss out on any of these provisions. If, if that is you, again, no one else is looking. Just stand with me in prayer. God sees you. And I just want to pray that God seals some of these things in our heart. Mighty God, we love you. We love your word. We thank you for the power of your word. Uh, your word has the power to transform us. Your word has the power to transform our future. And I just pray today, God, that you would uh, help us line up with these things. We, we just stand acknowledging that, you, um, that we don't always do it your way. And we don't want to keep doing tests over and over again. We don't want to stay in the desert 40 years when it could be four months, God. We, we don't want to prolong what you have for us with calling, with whether it's our family, whether it's with our kids, whether it's our jobs, opportunities, whether it's with our talents, gifts, resources, a calling and anointing on our life, whatever you have, Lord, whether it's the souls around. We want to enter into all that you have for us, and we don't want to hinder that or slow it down. So God, I believe you're saying to us today as individuals and as a church that that you have promised land for us and it is flowing with some milk and honey. It's still going to take work, but we don't want to hinder it on account of us. So God, whatever we're not doing, I pray for a conviction in your spirit this morning that we'd begin to line up with you, God, that fear would not rule us and flesh would not rule us, but your spirit would reign and your word would reign in our lives, that we would work and walk in faith and we'd walk in the promises, Lord. And when people would say, wow, your life seems to be blessed, we will say, it's simply God who blesses people who walk in his ways. It's simply God who blesses people who walk in his ways, Lord. Get the glory today. We love you. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen, amen, amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.